everyone, Matt Reynolds here, one of your hosts for the Own Your Greatness podcast. And just a little context for this episode, uh, we laugh really hard in this episode and hopefully you will find the things that we're laughing hard at funny. Uh, but we also go pretty deep and to be more specific, Drew shares about a season he went through where he really experienced um, some deep kind of anxiety that made him uh, really just look deep and think about where he was believing some lies in his story. And so he tries to unpack that in a way that is clear and that others can find themselves in his story. And so he chose to leave in this entire longer episode of him ex- describing this because I don't think this applies to everyone in every situation, but I think if it does apply to you, it is going to speak very deeply to you. So we made the decision to leave everything in. We are not mental health experts. Uh, we are not counselors. We're just ordinary people that are reading stuff and are journeying through our own experience and trying to testify and witness to our experience. So that's the context. That is the disclaimer. I know this is going to speak to some people deeply, and we just wanted to say right up front that what Drew's describing might not apply to every person in every situation. And so that's what this podcast is all about. We're trying to bring you the real stuff that we're feeling and working through, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Own Your Greatness podcast. Host Brian Burchick here, joined as always by Mr. Matt Reynolds and Drew McClure. Hey, gentlemen. Yes, yes, here, <laughs> present, very present. <laughs> very present. Drew, are you very present? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> Dude. We just have the most awkward starts to this, but keep going, Brian. This is great. This is great. It's great. I mean, yes. God, the people love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so excited to be back uh, again. This is kind of we're kind of now saying this is season three, um, and obviously episodes are more sporadic. But uh, very excited for today, and yeah, dude. I mean, just again, we we recently changed the name to Own Your Greatness, and so excited to be here with the with the new name. Yeah, yeah, and we're trying to do about you know once a month. I think that's a good cadence, and. Uh, Kind yes. of tracked with the other things we got going on. The launch of the course, right? Yes. The new course for men, video course. It's uh <laughs> it's been fun. I mean, guys are doing it. Uh you're getting we're getting feedback, uh, which of course is something like we really wanted because we're not claiming this thing is uh perfect as is, wanting to learn. But yeah, it's been exciting having some guys doing it and I mean, we need to say right here at the beginning um, that our first kind of monthly Own Your Greatness community, you know, live event, live gathering, whatever you want to call it um, on Zoom is going to be upcoming here uh, Thursday, March 7th. Do I have that date correct, Matt? Yes, you do. Tell, Tell us about that. That's exciting. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we wanted to offer kind of a touch point and a place for people to gather who are actually going through the course because we want to hear from you. We want to just try some different stuff. And I think this is a cool way to hear 
and connect some people. Um, and you know, it's not going to be like a podcast. It's going to be a more interactive. And so, um, just getting some people together in a space, uh, I think it's going to be, it's going to be really cool and helpful both ways. Uh, I'm probably going to be coming to you from the sauna. I think I'm pot committed to that at this point. <laughs> Live from the sauna. Sweaty baby. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how sweaty it'll be, but I just feel like this is a time for people to, for these guys to let their hair down and, uh, you know, just come into the space. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just let your hair down. Drew, I mean, you're, you're bald. So I mean, oh, there's not gonna be it's an honest conversation. It's an honest God. conversation. It's an honest space. Uh, Drew, what are you, what are you excited about for this community? You know, monthly night not sitting in a sauna because i'm the only one of us three that doesn't have a sauna so yes, yeah, that's true uh man i'm i'm excited because i always love live interaction i always like mm. real-time interaction with with ideas and conversation instead of not instead of on top of i like this medium i like the three yeah. of us being able to talk i like being able to have a concentrated conversation but i also like the flow of how is that meeting someone's real life in real time Yes. And getting to know people, man. Like, you yeah. know, all of us come from from a background of deeply investing in people. And um, so I'm really excited to see who shows up and see where the conversations take us. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we it'll be very free flowing. Um, but obviously, like the course is really anchored in this like overarching framework of this work of growth following these three A's. Uh, awareness, acceptance, and then agency. Um, and so I, I, you know, there'll be some level of like anchoring some, the conversation a little bit in that content of the, of the course. And, but it will be very like, I mean, I envision this happening very organically and f a lot of just like fresh what's going on in life. Uh, it's not, it's certainly not going to be just, uh, trying to revamp content that's already in the course. Um, so, yeah, and just in terms of being a part of this thing, you know, there's there's kind of two ways. I mean, if you purchase the course, uh, then you get it, you know, this monthly uh, community membership for free. So absolutely. And if you use the coupon code podcast, you get half off the course. So it goes from 100 bucks to 50 bucks. Good investment. Use that code podcast. Um, or if you join just the monthly membership, uh, then, of course, you know, of course, this is a part of it. So, uh, and if you join that membership, you get the course. So it's just, you know, it is, um, if you, if you join in any way, then you can come and be a part. And, um, I don't know, even if you're not a part, if you, if you find a way to email us, we'll, we'll send you the, the link anyway. <laughs> <laughs> if, if they want it that bad, they find the email, we'll, we'll send you the link. <laughs> We got high standards here. <laughs> Big boundaries, guys. Big boundaries, guys. <laughs> you guys wouldn't be okay with that? <laughs> the answer is no, kids. Unless you go ask your mom and she says yes, and then it's yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's and then you didn't say the time. So it's Thursday, Ooh, yes. March 7th, and we're saying 8.15 to 9.30. Yes. Because if you say 8, then maybe your kids aren't in bed if you got kids and it's just we're giving a little buffer there. Yes. A fifteen. Yeah. Honestly, try to get there at eight and you'll probably be there at eight fifteen. Everything takes longer. Yep. Um sweet. So yeah, and and we'll send out emails that have the link and everything. Um 
well in advance. So lovely, lovely. Um, all right. Well, let's let's hop in to today's episode. And as we do that, just recalling, it's going to connect very much with the last episode that was called Change Your Story, Change Your Life. And though all three of us felt a little insecure because we felt like, God, I think we're doing too much promo of the course um, in that episode. It it did, in fact, you know, have some good, powerful things in there. And we kind of all talked about some of these old stories that you just sort of find yourself living out of and perhaps not even like scrutinizing or even proactively thinking about, is this the type of story I actually want to live out? Um, and so we, you know, kind of dove into that. Drew, you had this amazing quote that I'm excited because I feel like where we're headed is very much connected to this, but you were like, you, at one point you were like, you know, I think there's times where it was supposed to just be a chapter, but it, be, it kind of grew Can't into hit. being the whole story. Yeah. And so you, you know, you asked the question like, what is, needs to be shrunk back to just being a chapter, not the full story. And, um, talking with my wife who uh, listens to the podcast, that was what stuck out to her. So anyway, I would love to actually hand it over to you, Drew, because you are going to kind of lead the way for us. Um, and I'm excited. Cool. Yeah. After that podcast, you know, we're talking in real time. So it's not like we have prepared material or one liners. And so I, when we talked about that and I said that I was just thinking about it a lot afterwards, like, man, that is that is honest about my life that for so many years, if you look back, you know, at your childhood up until now, there was just chapters and they, that's all they were. It's like, what was young, you know, what was your early childhood like? And then what was middle school like? And each one had a different like theme to it. You know, it was like middle school sucked and it was awkward or whatever. And then high school found my rhythm, found my, my tribe college. Like the chapters keep changing just like in a good book. But around the time that maybe midlife, sometimes it feels like, this chapter has lasted entirely way too long. And the longer it goes on, the more you start to unconsciously believe that is just going to be the story from here on out. And for me, I was finding a lot of liberation and like shrinking that back down to a chapter. But then what it left me thinking, and this is kind of the benefit of, of my job, is that because I have to communicate a lot, I often have built in time to then think about the next thing, you know? Yes. And so it just so happened that this last week I was in Orlando um, speaking at a conference for business leaders and entrepreneurs. And I was like, I'm just going to talk about this. This is what's fresh for me, you know? So I was thinking about it some more. And I was like, so how does a chapter change? That's the question, mm -hmm. right? If a chapter has been going on too long and it feels like the whole story, how does the chapter change? And the most logical thing to me is that a chapter changes when the character you play changes, mm -hmm. right? So I want to start off talking about that. Like mm -hmm. all of us, play, whether we know it or not, a certain character. You know, a phrase we've used that we didn't come up with, but we really resonated with was like learned helplessness, right? Uh -huh. You kind of play this learned helpless character without even thinking about it. You play the anxious guy, or you play the overthinker, or you play the angry person, or you play the defensive person, and all the positive attributes as well, right? Yeah. But like, you kind of just fit a character type. Yes. And that person is going to keep pretty much producing the same results and circumstances in their life. But we all get mad at the circumstances. And we're like, I'm just ready for this to change, man. When is life going to deal me a better deal? When are things going to, when's the wife going to change? When's my money going to change? All that kind of stuff. And I just started thinking about what happens when the character in the story changes. That 
inherently begins to change the story arc into a different direction. So I've got my own thoughts on it, but I want to just hear from y'all. When y'all hear that, that statement, where does your mind go? Mm. Well, the first thing when you said learned helplessness, I started chuckling because I just, and we've joked about this, but with my wife, there's like so many moments where I'm like, hey, I think we need to probably reach out to the teacher about this. And like, <laughs> it's, it's like, I'm actually saying like, can you do <laughs> as if like i'm helpless and can't send a freaking email to the teacher yes um so learned helplessness is just a convicting phrase for me as a freaking husband um but <laughs> yeah i mean the idea that you the story changes from a, the character changing um yeah is i think very powerful and I don't know, man. I mean, I can only speak for me, but I'm, you know, we're all in that kind of midlife time approaching, you know, midlife, whatever. And there's a lot of areas that I've felt very stuck, if I'm being honest. And so the thought of the character needing to change for that story to change, um, my first reaction uh, is just, man, I've felt stuck a lot. And that's very frustrating <laughs> to feel stuck. Uh, yeah. Like I don't know how to change or I, I'm not really changing that much. Um, so starting with a negative, sorry, but that's my, that's my first knee jerk reaction. That's That's the feeling though. Like that is the feeling. It feels like the story is writing you instead of you are writing the story. Yeah. Right. It feels like this is happening to me. Like as much as I want to change it, I feel like whatever powers are at B or whatever, thing is in me can't break that thing. But I want to just, you know, I want to give a good example because I think this last year your character did change and your chapter did change in that, you know, coming from the nonprofit world into the business world, there was a kind of financial ceiling that you had never gone past yep. and even like a professional expression that yes. you had not seen out of the nonprofit world before. And I remember you telling Matt and I like I'm I'm really choosing to believe I've got more capacity than I thought and I've got you know greater capability than I thought and you've leaned into that and we've seen that chapter change in to a large degree right Yeah No for sure Yeah I you know I was <clears throat> actually walking with uh my wife Erin today and talking about those old stories and uh I was she was like so what are those stories for you cuz and I was, you know, saying, yeah, I think one of the stories was I, I, I can't be successful in the corporate world or I can't make more than a certain amount of money. I just, so yeah, I, I, I agree. I feel like there has been, um, genuine, genuine change, um, in that area for sure. Yeah. Before I go to you, Matt, I want to uh, just reminded me of something I think I wrote in my book. I remember using this somewhere, but it was this kind of cool thought exercise to get to the bottom of something. And it starts with the phrase, I will never. And that's because you just mentioned that. Yeah. And so I think in my book, I said like, what, just, just fill in the blank with whatever comes to mind. I will never be financially free or I will never have a happy marriage or I will never feel at peace or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. You start there. Then you say, because I can't, and then fill in the blank. So I will never is built on some belief that I can't do something. And so you say, because I can't stick to things, because I can't show discipline, because I can't whatever. 
Then you go one layer deeper and it's because I'm not. Right? So you start with, I will never because I can't because I'm not. And that's where you get to the crux of the character. Like Mm -hmm. that shows you the character you believe you are and its limitations because I'm not that guy. I'm not that person. I'm not, I'm not able. So it's, I will never have this thing because I'm not capable because I'm not that person. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you're listening, I think you could do that same thing. And what I want to talk about in a few minutes is for you to start to question that very last reality. Like, don't even waste your time on the I will never or the I can't. Start to at least question, like, how real is that reality that feels like I am just not that person, right? Because I believe that's an illusion. So we'll stop there. Ren, when you hear the chapter changes, when the character changes, I mean, you guys don't even have to agree with me. This has just been like me running with <laughs> with a thought. So I'm assuming you're agreeing with me, but do well, you agree? No, no, if the so? first thing that came to mind for me is funny because it was actually the first semester in college being at Clemson. And when I had done a year of like community college, but the first year of like being off and away and like, all right, I'm in this new chapter and feeling like, man, I don't know people. I don't feel like I fit in here. And that or like it just felt foreign and the advice in that thing was like oh just give it some time this is a chapter it's kind of painful but it'll be short-lived like i remember asking it was like a it was like a one of those date nights coming up for some you know sorority or something and i think i <laughs> i think i asked a girl like so why aren't you like taking us like people you know it was like <laughs> like I had my feelings or something and this girl, I won't say her name, but she she said, I'm here to meet different people. <laughs> such, a, <laughs> such a funny way to be rejected. Like, I don't want you. No. I no. want someone new. <laughs> hold on, hold on. For, for reference, for reference, Matt and I both went to Clemson. Yeah. There was only like four other people we knew from our high school that went to Clemson as well. And so we kind of were hanging out and talking. And so he's mentioning one of the girls that we went to high school with. <laughs> Taking and other it, people. She and it, one and of the yeah, four. And it was more like, yeah. we, I don't want anybody. I want to meet new people, you know? But that yeah. was just a funny moment. I remember it was like, oh, man, I was already feeling kind of lonely, isolated. It didn't really fit. And it was just, <laughs> bam, just a, here's why I'm rejecting you. <laughs> Let me yeah. just make it plain. So in that, in that, in that, Example, the good advice was like, hey, this will not last forever. And some se- some bad seasons or uncomfortable seasons are like that. But I think there, it is different in the midlife thing. It's like, no, the problem here is that the season has, la- the chapter has lasted so long, it feels like I'm going to get stuck here. I'm going to die here. I mean, this is where people get depressed. This is where yes, people exactly. commit suicide. This is where people get really addicted or just, change for the worst because like i just i feel numb i I feel completely lost like so i'm just that's what came to my mind like oh my gosh that really funny hard first chapter in college is like a short thing but then there's these other the other side of it's like these elongated things that then how are we stretching this out how are we living into this and i think that's kind of where we're going to the point where it's continuing this on and yeah maybe there's a different way to approach it yeah yeah exactly and i I love that you mentioned that man like 
that is sometimes the most intense emotional part of a chapter lasting for a long time is the subtle belief that this will be forever. It's that feeling alone that I think brings an intensity to the situation that sometimes could lead somebody to take their life or to make really maybe kind of radical decisions, like just to up and leave everything or whatever, because they, they just don't have the confidence that they know this will change or that they have the ability to change it. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I guess the the question is then like, what makes the character? Right. Like if we're really looking at like a chapter changes when a character changes, like, okay, well, what really makes up the character that we play and how then do we change that? Right. And so when you guys think about that, like just not in the head headiness of it and the philosophy of it, but as you're thinking about your own life, how do you think about like you and your kind of what you're identifying with and the story you tell yourself and how you relate to that? Like what kind of insights and reflections have you had on that? You know, I mean, I think part of my, you know, again, in my stage of life, it's like part of my, I think frustrations can be in the cycles that don't seem to change. So, you know, whether it's not relating in a empathetic, sensitive way to my wife or whatever, like, I think it's just, I'm at the point now where it's like, it's easy to feel like, how am I still not good at this? Or how am I still, um, you know, in these patterns or even just like the, um, you know, you just, there's just these predictable things. It's like, all right, I get overwhelmed. Then I try to like take control back by being an a-hole or being too, you know, punitive with the kids or whatever it might be. I don't know. I, those are some of the initial things that I guess I've been living long enough on planet earth to where it's kind of, it can be frustrating that those things are still going on. Yeah. No, I totally get that. I th- okay. Let me lead the witness a little better. Mm-hmm. So let me just think, introduce two thoughts. I've been finding a lot of life and hope by looking backwards at things that I thought would never change that did. And like looking at how that happened and that kind of thing. And then also just looking at, let me start with this. Do you remember how easy it was to change who you were when you were a kid? Like think about the amount of fads and trends and things that like, depending on who you were around and what was cool, that you just had a very flexible idea of who you are and who you could be (laughs) that like, you know, probably, I mean, definitely too moldable, but like, I remember living two lives at one time. Like in middle school, I lived two completely separate identities that didn't feel that fractured in my mind at the same time because I went to a private Christian school, but I had my mm. best friends in the world that I grew up with in my neighborhood that had nothing to do with Christianity. And so I would go and, you know, win the sword drill. If anybody went to private Christian school, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'd, I'd win the sword drill during the day. What a good boy. And, and sing it, sing at the chapel of that week or whatever. And then I'd be smoking. I started smoking weed when I was in sixth grade, right? <laughs> so I had like two, to- like two totally different things going on. But yeah. there was just a flexible idea of like, sure, I can be this. I can be that. I can become this. I can become that. I played baseball. Then I switched to soccer. And then I went from, you know, 
Christian classes to smoking weed with my friends. And you start to get a little bit of hope that like there's there's more flexibility than we give ourselves credit for to our, who our identity was. I remember Brian, at least you and, and Matt, I think as well, really resonated when we were reading, um, who was it? Ben Hardy and what's the other guy's name? Dan Sullivan. Dan Sullivan. Talking about embracing this idea of a flexible identity, right? That, yeah. That, and even, that's even, like the beginning even of some hope. shedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can shed, like. Talk about that. Yeah, I mean, just like, yeah, you were this or you've done this, but then you continue to grow, you know? Um, yes. And I remember feeling that too, where it was like, I mean, there was a season for 10 years where it was like, I was preaching so much, like preaching the Bible so much. And it was very, you know, like it was a very honorable thing kind of in our community and 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 it was fine. But I was like, man, that's not like, this has become my core identity. Like, right. is this all I am? A Bible team? Like, I don't even know how I got into this. And it wasn't like I didn't choose that to some degree. It was like, all right, I got to keep growing. And then, so that's just one example where it's like, you know, being okay to let go of like, I think some people are afraid to let go of it. Like, well, if I let go of that identity, I'll have no identity, you know? Right. Can you be that hermit crab that's a little bit vulnerable as you're kind of growing into the next season? So that's what I appreciate when I, we were reading their book. Like the shedding was not, you know, being looking down upon that identity or not saying it didn't matter, but like, no, there's, there, but there's something more. There's something I got to mm. continue to grow into that and not get stuck and latch yeah. on, even latch on and grasp that's, to it. That's it. It's the latching on that I don't think we did as much earlier on that we unconsciously do now. We latch on. And, and, and it's like we keep it around more than it keeps us around. For whatever reason, we've got some security there, or maybe we've got some value there, or we've got a survival strategy there. But again, I just want the listener to kind of go back and remember when there was a time where if you didn't like something, you just left it. Like if there was a time where you're like, eh, I don't really resonate with this crowd anymore or kind of this we'd change our hair, we'd change our clothes, we'd change our friends. Like we had no problem shedding an old identity and kind of stepping into a new one if it was calling out to us. And then at some point later in life, we feel like we can't. And I just find that, that interesting, right? Well, I like how you talk about uh, your identity is what you identify with. Yes. You know, and, you know, just thinking about that even right now, you know, in my life, it's like, what do I identify with? Cause it's not as clear now. Like back in the day, it's like, dude, are you a skater? Are you a prep? Right. Yeah, I've thought about that multiple times. Yeah. I would, yeah. you know, when you say middle school, I think skater. Oh dude, yes. And, so but then I still had a Tommy Hilfiger shirt. I was like, Whoa, you're, you're confused. You know, are you skater <laughs> or you prep? You know? Yes. Well, and, and, and in college, I mean, since you brought up college, it's like, dude, it, you, if you rush and go the fraternity or sorority route, like you get a new identity instantly. And I didn't do that. And frankly, I don't think we could even afford to do it. Like, I don't think it was even an option in my mind, but dude, I, I was so like jealous. You couldn't, hold I, on. You couldn't like financially afford it. Or, what do you no. mean? You couldn't afford, you couldn't afford <laughs> dude, to do it. What does that fraternities mean? are expensive, bro. Oh my, I've never so thought did about that. rushing or not rushing because of cost. Brian and I never, this is, Brian and this I, is ne the, or Matt and I never did fraternity, so we don't know no, what's going on we don't here. know, but, but this is the first time I've ever heard anyone in my entire life say <laughs> they did or didn't think about doing a fraternity because of the cost. But hold on, hold on. In fairness, 
<laughs> in fairness, Brian's house was the only place I went to out of all my friends that only had rice cakes for snacks. So, he, <laughs> oh my he, gosh, you had a learned conscious. Yeah. I'm literally having an epiphany here. I've never <laughs> in my entire life heard someone bring up the you think- I don't even know the cost. I'm like, okay, I guess there's a cost. Like, this is an education. And that. I couldn't afford to do it. I mean, so you're telling me if you would have had the means, you would have rushed. Because I didn't know that's why you oh, didn't do it. I would have been way more likely to do it. I mean, it was expensive. Okay, I mean, it, okay. it, it leads to UGA. We really like, don't know anything about it, Brian. So we we could be totally I mean, enlighten off. Me. We like, know nothing about it. I'm thinking so it's I, like a couple thousand. Like, is it? But that is a lot. That, yeah, I mean, if it's real, couple, you just money bags over there, just. I couple mean, what? thousand. <laughs> a you didn't have a couple front. thousand in college. You couldn't even replace your brake lights on your Paseo. Hold on, and kept hold on, hold over. on. Is it for the, the year? Or for the whole year? It's just or one time. It's well, one I think time. It's, like I think buying? it's several thousand per year. Oh. <laughs> right. but most. I mean, most parents are going to pay that if you really want to do it. Like, ah, uh, I got to get in this. Like, most parents will pay that. I mean, your parent- you, you know, you and your rich friends, man. I mean, <laughs> wow. I worked at CC's Pizza for two and a half years, so I don't know how many no, rich friends okay, I have. This is what's funny to me, and this all might get cut out because this is hilarious. We're on this right now. Matt is acting like he's an out of touch rich kid that doesn't understand this. Yet his entire freshman year, more than that, he was driving a totaled car. Like yes. a car that got pulled over several times by the police well, that were saying this is not street legal. Yeah, well, you couldn't open the passenger side door. It was completely <laughs> smashed in. Like, would not open. So so when I would pick Margaret up, who did rush, and I didn't know how expensive that was. Yeah, like, my God. I would pick her up on dates from her, like, uh, dorm. She would come down. I would get out of the car. She would climb through the driver's, the driver's side. side, sit in the passenger side, and that's how we'd get out and in when we went to uh, – <laughs> You know, yeah. So but that, you just have a couple thousand dollars lying around. Right? I mean, <laughs> I I think it's just I've never known that that was I couldn't afford. I was like, wait a second. I, I thought you meant like you were busy. You you had like a big purpose. So you couldn't afford to be distracted. Like oh, no, you couldn't God. afford to. You would have liked to have done All it. Right. Since this is this is this is likely on the cutting room floor. I, oh, this this is likely on the cutting room floor, but. We got to go here. I so I entered Clemson as a real as a real freshman. Yeah. freshman. Matt had delayed his his schooling by a year and went to local community college and then followed me to Clemson. So he wasn't allowed to live on campus in the freshman dorms. Right? I'm walking. I'm, that's not the point of the story. Yeah, I'm just saying the context. I'm walking back to the Clemson dorms where there's like all these freshman dorms next to each other in a little horseshoe, and there's a crowd of people around a car that is up on the sidewalk. That looks totaled, and everyone is confused, thinking that somebody just got in a hit and run. <laughs> and don't know that Matt was just coming to visit me and parked on the sidewalk instead of the freaking parking spot. <laughs> and I had to go up and tell people there has not been an accident. <laughs> don't call anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you parked on the sidewalk? You parked on the sidewalk. <laughs> To cause a scene, I don't know. 
Oh my god. Literally people were trying to call the cops to report a hit and run. I was like, don't. No, my friend already had the car in that condition and just parked it on the sidewalk and left. <laughs> no, I mean the fun the funny yeah, and the nail and the nailing coffin was I got I did get pulled over one time and there was duct tape on the bumper. There were bungees, Bungie but it was board. all it was all fine. It was all fine. My dad said, Matt's got a good engine in it. You know, it's going to keep. But I got pulled over one time. And the cop was like, Son, did you just, you know, get <laughs> And I think I was like, Oh, no, no. I mean, it's, it's been like this for, you know, at least a year. It's been like this for a long time. <laughs> and he, 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 took, he wrote me a ticket to take me to court. And. Uh. My dad had to come and say, this is my fault. Oh, wow. I, I, cause I was going to get like in trouble. They were trying to, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Cause it wasn't was street I, legal. You were I driving said, a car that yeah, wasn't street legal. Her, yeah. My dad said, this is officers. I told him it had a good engine in it. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he always, my dad drove from Atlanta to Clemson to testify in this tiny ass courtroom. Oh. They were like, 15 of us in there or something Just eat the humble pie and say is my and, fault and i yeah and then he said uh, and then the the judge up like on his like chair that was just like a little bit above you know small quarter tiny little he's like get this car off the road <laughs> he take it the to car. a body dealership so then, or something so then my dad's like all right man a little while later he's like all right man i got the car donated uh, <laughs> sent it to Cars for Christ, and I looked at the tax <laughs> statement. He got like $68 as a charitable <laughs> gift. I said, Dad, 68? It might have been 58. It was, a, it was a 50 or 68, and I said, this is unbelievable. Like, there's no way that that car was worth that much. Like, yes, you could have stripped that thing. There were no parts. They were all damaged. You got... <laughs> In three accidents and one incident, you you got hit three times at the same four way stop, dude. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. It was it was a four way stop that for whatever reason I thought was a three way stop because the sun was like in my eyes and somehow just made that my stop sign completely invisible. So I'm rolling up and I'm like, I'm gonna slow down just in case somebody does something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm cruising through this. <laughs> I, get hit. I get hit. I get hit on the side by one guy. That's what smashed the passenger door in. And then I spun around and hit another car. Oh. I mean, it was terrifying. And I thought, what are these crazy people doing? This is insane. You were. And you were I realized, still mad. no, there's no three way stops. There's only. Or maybe there is. I don't know. If it looks like a four-way stop, it's a four-way yeah. stop. Oh, you came to lesson. my house. You came to my house, senior of my of high school, for me to pick me up. And my dad looked out in the garage <laughs> or out in the driveway, and he said, "Son, somebody in a totaled car just came to pick you up." <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> He said, Mimi, Mimi's my mom. Mimi, you got to see this. Somebody in a totaled car just came to pick your son up. Okay. So when I met Margaret for the first time, okay, her, she, we were going to go hiking. And her dad comes home and 
I'm not prepared to meet her father, but the Paseo's out front wrecked. He comes in. I have these camouflage pants on. Cargo pants. Cargos with the fashion strips. It's when Abercrombie was doing those strips. (laughs) Dude, there was, they were huge. There was a rip in my butt. The pants were ripped at the butt and I had duct taped them. (laughs) Then I have both ears pierced and I'm wearing a bandana on my head. Oh Oh my God. That is the first impression. And he is a dentist from Greenville, South Carolina. Part of the country club. Margaret's a a debutante. I mean, (sighs) not expecting... Now, and I wasn't expecting that. I was mad at her. I was like, are you telling you, you can't just spring this. <laughs> you got to prepare him. <laughs> I mean, I would not have, I would not have worn this. <laughs> no. Can you imagine you pull up and that car is in your parking lot? It is and then that guy is in your house. And then he says, I'm about to take your daughter to the woods. Yes. <laughs> to the woods. <laughs> All right, I get it, dude. I get it. So, so we can is, all change flexible identities. That's baby. what I'm saying. This Shedding. is a this is a fantastic. That's a fantastic segue to what I'm talking about. Right? Look backwards in your own life and laugh about the hilarious identities you've identified with and patterns you had and things have been able to change. Right? My freedom for me in the last year has been realizing that a lot of this is an illusion. That who you think you are is greatly an illusion. It is just something you were so accustomed to, so familiar with, that you think it is like a, a wired-in part of your brain or something, that it's this inescapable truth of who you are. And starting with the essence of every human being is flexible. I think there's great life in that. That like at the very essence of what it means to be a human being is something that can evolve, can grow, can change. Do we know the boundaries to that? No, but it's probably bigger than you're currently giving yourself grace for. Right. And so if our chapter is going to change because our character changes, we have to start with remembering I've changed before. I've changed before. And maybe it's not as difficult as I think it is. Maybe I've just kind of added a layer of story to it that has made it feel insurmountable or too scary. People would judge me or people would say, what's changed in you or whatever. Right. So we think about identity, right? Identity is what you identify with. The way I described at this conference is, how do I know what your identity is at a very practical level? If I call out your name, you turn around, right? Same thing in life. If you call out an attribute and you turn around, you respond to that call. It's something that you currently identify with. That could be learned helplessness. That could be confidence. That could be surfing. Surfing. I mean, it could be positive or negative, but it's something that like when that thing is called in your mind or in a room you feel some kind of way about that I'm attached to. And the freedom is when you say, but I don't, I don't have to turn around. Like if I'm realizing that thing doesn't serve me anymore, or that thing has caused me more pain than it has caused me joy or success, I literally don't have to identify with that anymore because it's not my fingerprint. It's not my social security number. It is not <laughs> my legal name. It is just something I've really got attached to. And if I've got attached to it, I can unattach to it. The second thing that I want to play with you guys on is this idea of personality and personal reality. That the way that I described it to to these people that made sense is like, let's imagine all three of us are on a roller coaster. There's only one real reality. And that is that all three of us are sitting on this roller coaster. 
And that roller coaster is connected to tracks and it has a high likelihood of being safe, but we don't know. It's either going to make it to the end and you're fine or it's not. That's the reality. But personal reality is one of us might be freaking out, hands gripped on the pole, thinking this experience is awful, and the other two might have their hands in the air thinking this is a fun day at the park, right? That's the difference between personal reality and reality. Reality is what is, regardless of how you think about it. Personal reality is your thoughts and emotions overlaid on that experience. And often, when you live in a personal reality long enough, it feels just like your attitude towards life or your personality, where you're just a cautious person, or you're just risk averse, or you're totally risk you know, comfortable and you just go after things, right? And so I started playing with that some, and I want to make a few resources available if someone's listening that feels like maybe I was a year ago, stuck in some anxiety, depression, some feeling that just feels like their personal reality has been totally hijacked. There's a woman named Lily Sass. I don't even know how to pronounce her last name, but S-A-I-A-S. She has a community called Peace From Within. There's a guy named Michael Neal who has a podcast called Caffeine for the Soul. And there's a book I'm reading right now by George Pransky, who is a practicing um, psychologist and counselor for 40 plus years uh, called The Secret to Mental Health, an operating manual for the human mind. And what they start to poke at is some really life-changing stuff for the character that we play. It's this. He says, there is you. And you is just a conscious part of the universe, right? Like you at your core are not your thoughts. You're not your emotions. You're not your success. You're not your failure. It is literally just the you inside your body that is having a conscious experience of life. Then there is reality. Reality is whatever you as a person are involved in day to day, the situation as, as, as it is. But between you and reality is thoughts and emotions. And so the way that he describes it is that thoughts are neutral in nature <clears throat> and that they cannot be controlled. It is a futile effort to try to control your thoughts. They will just come. You have thousands of them a day, thousands and thousands of them. The only difference is the way that we were made is that when you put your conscious attention and your belief onto one of those thoughts, it brings it to life. Now, I don't necessarily mean like in the external world. We don't know. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But definitely in the internal world. And it brings us to life mostly in the form of a feeling that is both emotional in nature, but also biologic, like physio physiological in nature, right? And so the way he would describe it is like, it's like watching a movie. Have y'all watched them? I know you have. This is a silly example, so like a rhetorical question. But imagine, remember watching a movie that it was so good that you kind of got wrapped up in it? Maybe it was a scary movie. I remember in high school, we watched The Ring for the first time, and our friend Scotty had to leave the theater, you know? Like, <laughs> you're watching a movie, and you're so engrossed in it that even though it's not real and it's not happening, just your conscious attention on it gives you all the physical sensations of being in danger and of being afraid, Right? And so he talks about the liberating truth for mental health is realizing that no matter how intensely you're feeling something, right? Brian, you mentioned earlier, like feeling stuck and feeling frustrated and maybe I can't change that. He would say, that is just a thought. Like even that right there, you feel like it's truth, like you're following some truth trail. And he would say, no, that's just a thought you've grabbed onto that is now 
kind of coming alive in a very emotional way that is your personal reality. And because you don't know that's what it is, you just operate out of that. Michael Neal puts it this way. He said, thoughts are like tea bags. They have no ability in themselves to flavor your life unless they've been steeped in your attention and belief. Think about that. A thought is like a tea bag. It has no ability to, to, to flavor your life unless it has been steeped in your own uh, tension and belief. And then it feels like truth. Then it feels like your personal reality, right? So for me, when I was at the bottom of my stuckness, every thought felt intense. What if I never get out of this? What if this is just the way it is for the rest of my life? What if I've lost my mind? What if I can't get out of this? And I remember listening to these people and going, oh my God, I'm scaring myself. That's all I'm doing. I've gotten too engrossed in the movie, right? I've gotten too caught up in the movie of my mind and it's now leading my life and changing my reality instead of going like, holy crap, dude, you're just watching a scary movie. Like, let's have just a little bit of distance between you and the movie and your mind. And what he says is that thoughts on their own flow. You don't, need to, you don't need to control them. You don't need to change them. If you back up just a little bit, they will on their own flow, and a new thought will come that you might want to grab onto and enjoy, right? So I just dumped, like, by the way, like some of the deepest sh- shit that I have been thinking on for the last year that has had, like, real ramifications in my life. So I'd love some talking partners in this. Does that... Does that make sense to you? I think of you guys as normies, like on the, <laughs> on the normal end of the spectrum emotionally, and I, I'm coming from the challenge side of it. Like, does that translate at all into your world and your life, this, these, these whole ideas? Yeah, Rails, what do you say? Yeah, I mean, what's coming to me is just, it's, it, I think what you're doing is giving witness to, um, yeah, what what that experience was like for you? Because what it evokes in me is like times, seasons where I've felt myself even spiraling, and I'm just in it. I'm swimming in it. I'm stuck in it. So it really resonates with those seasons. And then the other thing I'm thinking about is, it just life is just is just crazy like the people who are going through like war right now like they're not they don't have time to think about anything they're just like i gotta just get out of here and survive you know it's just it's crazy how sometimes your situation your circumstance like sometimes you just don't even have the time to like think about what's going on so i know some people who are like i don't know what i even think about what i'm thinking you know so it kind of evokes those those two um things in me but i think what's most important is like giving you're giving witness to like this is this is how it can be and feel and yeah um so that yeah because i haven't even like deeply deeply reflected like but i've had to like listen if i could do a better job of explaining this to you it would apply to everybody because it's just a spectrum but like Let's say you're not aware of the thoughts. I love this quote from him. He says, if we are feeling upset and troubled, we may not be in touch with the thoughts that are upsetting us. So we might not even know, what did I think that upset me? But we can assume that our quality of thinking is not very good at that moment. Like that alone is just a helpful thing. So he goes, 
even if you're not sure what you're thinking about, all you need to know is that my quality of thinking is not really good right now. So don't take it too seriously. And I think about Matt, you've been on an entrepreneurial journey, right? I, at the beginning of that journey, I told you, don't believe the highs and don't believe the lows. It's somewhere in the middle, right? And there's been so many moments that we're Marco Poloing in a low moment. And what would right. be helpful for you is to go, man, I better not believe too much of what my brain's telling me right now because I'm in a low moment. You know, like I can feel it. Yeah. I can experience it, but I'm not going to like take all my thoughts and solutions that are coming to mind right now as gospel, as truth. Because I know the quality of my thinking isn't that great right now, and I'm living in, they, they call it distorted thinking. Like, my, my thinking is a little distorted right now. Yeah. Does that, does that maybe resonate a little more? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think that's why it's important to be, like, talking to other people, because it's so easy to get stuck in that, like, your version, and someone else is like, whoa, 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 here's what I'm seeing, and you're like, you don't realize what you're not seeing, you yes. know? Um, that's what I mean by the subjective nature of, rea- of, of, of our personal reality is like, if anyone listening can just go, maybe I have a little more subjective, I'm having a more subjective experience of my reality than I, than I thought. Right. You might have a little more flexible identity. Yeah. No, I definitely think that I can, you can definitely hear when people are just like, they have their kind of interpretation of their life and you're yes. like, Whoa, like. I don't know. I know how you're saying it and it's backing it up because that's how you're viewing it now. But like, that doesn't have to be the case, you yes. know? Let me throw this in there real quick, Brian, and then I want to hear what you think. But I thought this was really powerful. So there's a, there's a book called The Expectation Effect. If you haven't read it, it's phenomenal. But it basically is all the latest research on how do our ex so by the way the word expectation effect is a term in uh research it's very similar to the placebo effect we've all heard the placebo effect right so they gave it a bigger general category called the expectation effect and they wanted to research does our expectations have an effect on reality and the book is freaking fascinating they told Mm -hmm. just in the intro they told a group of maids that, hey, we've done some research and just thought you guys should know that the amount of kind of just being on your feet, going through your day-to-day tasks on a given day is equal to someone who is working out rigorously five days a week. And so we thought you'd be happy to know that just doing your job, you're actually getting incredible health benefits and all that kind of stuff. And then they tracked the change and the results not only had they lost weight and like seen physical changes over the next few months, but their blood pressure and other things had dropped as well. Like somebody that had been working out five days a week, they did. This is Stanford. This is uh, Cambridge. All these research places are coming out of phenomenal places. They also put in front of people, a milkshake and they had two different test groups. They had one group that they told, Hey guys, we want you to try this new milkshake. It's really tasty, but the cool thing is it's low in calories, low in sugar, it's dairy-free, it's all this kind of stuff. They told the other group, hey guys, why don't you try this milkshake, normal milkshake, high in sugar, high in cholesterol, high in fat, like, (laughs) sorry, high in dairy, all that kind of stuff, right? They were shocked at the results that all the biomarkers like cholesterol, blood, insulin, blood sugar, even like... um, allergies, like how people would react to high gluten or high, high uh, dairy and whatever, 
matched what they told them. So like it's, I'm telling you, dude, read the expectation. It's effect. It's, it's really wild. And so what they're realizing is that your ability, your kind of conscious attention or belief on certain thoughts have more of an impact, not just on your emotional well-being, but even on your physiology than we ever imagined. And so that's kind of what I'm pulling back here is saying like, we just go along for the ride, you know, as a character in this story, not realizing how much more control we have than we previously thought. So Brian, what are your thoughts hearing all this word vomit? Yeah. I mean, I, I have such a simple mind, so no, you don't. <laughs> no, it does. I have you to do filter not. everything. <laughs> I have to filter through a very. That's a story. Simple, God uh, well, dang! Well, it, it's actually it, it can be a gift because it's I'm just it's, such a simpleton. <laughs> Go ahead. Not not a simpleton, but I always have to like kind of filter it through a simple like a simple I don't know framework. So first things first. I mean, are you saying that the sequence is typically thoughts? to then lead to emotions. Like, is that pretty much? Yes, but in real life, it can definitely be the opposite as well. Like okay. the research would indicate for sure our thoughts can influence our emotions and our emotions can influence our thoughts a hundred percent. So in real life, it's a lot more messy than it is in the clear laid out. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we get a lot of reprieve from knowing, Hey, if I keep locking in on whatever's worrying me or distressing me or whatever, I'm going to stay in this cycle of feeling it all, right? Yeah. What, the way that they, these people would put it is I'm currently caught up in the feeling of my thinking. Okay. Yeah. I'm currently caught up in the feeling of my thinking, right? Mm -hmm. And I can just get a little distance. Let me give you one more example. Yeah. Viktor Frankl, yeah. right? Great example of somebody. Matt, you talked about like if someone's really in the shit, they don't have time to think about this. His whole book, Man's Search for Meaning, is what I'm talking about. Have y'all ever read Man's Search for Meaning? Mm-hmm. It's it phenomenal. Yeah, a long time. Yeah. yeah. It's phenomenal. But he started witnessing his 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 observation where there were people dying sooner than other people in the concentration camps with him that were going through the same thing. And he was trying to figure out what was going on. One of the common things that he found for the people that seemingly were dying overnight was a loss of hope. Yeah. Literally, they had a loss of hope and they were dying. And so he has this phrase that I've never forgotten. I use it in all my coaching. He says, there exists a sacred pause between stimulus and response that a man will make a decision that shapes his destiny. Right? Mm -hmm. Stimulus is the thought and the emotion you're currently feeling. Mm -hmm. Response is the interpretation and the action that you take. And so what he started realizing is we're all in the same circumstance. But I, and no matter what's going on, I have the ability to pause and reflect and choose my interpretation of what's going on and choose my action. And so he realized critical to his survival was hope and critical to his survival was continuing to trudge on like somebody was coming for him. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's a good practical example of like in the worst case scenario, he realized I don't have to get caught up, even though it's really intense, there's still a sacred pause where I can distance myself from the feelings and the thoughts I'm having and make an informed decision about my life. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, I've certainly found a lot of freedom in that idea that you can't control your thoughts. Like I, yes. you know, and if they're recurring thoughts, if they are thoughts that seem to almost be trapping you and, and holding you, um, it's okay to say, 
gosh, I can't control these. Like I, and there's like a letting go to that. There's like a, almost like a surrender. Like, gosh, I, I can't seem to get this thought stop, you know, to, to stop from entering my brain. Um, and in a weird way, when the more that you do that and sort of recognize your lack of control over that thought, uh, the less power it seems to have over time. Yeah. Yeah. So let me give you some practical examples and maybe we'll bring this to a close. For me, what it looked like was it got so bad that I, I would have thoughts like I can't put the kids to bed tonight because I'm having this panicky feeling and I need what my brain was telling me is I need to go be alone and isolate myself until I can get myself together. The more I realized I was just caught up in the feeling of my thinking, I thought, no, there's no reason why I can't put the bed kids to bed because there's no danger. And so I'm going to put the kids to bed regardless of whether my internal feelings are off the charts. And eventually I will come back to reality. I started doing that more and more and it became true where now I put my kids together, my, my kids to bed like normal, like I did before my freak out and things feel normal again. If you're trying to change your chapter, you will have things that say, I feel really intensely that I am not capable of managing my finances, or I feel really scared that I cannot change the dynamic of my marriage and be more patient and be more loving or whatever. If you just stopped and said, that is simply a thought that I've grabbed a hold of that has produced a strong emotional reaction in me, but it is an illusion. It is not reality. Then you might find just enough courage to commit to a new way of being, even if you're still feeling strongly while doing it, right? So we talked about that maybe in a previous episode of those four C's from Ben Hardy and, and the other guy, God. Dan Sullivan. Dan Sullivan. Dan Sullivan. He's the more popular of the two. Yeah, <laughs> I keep I know. forgetting him. But he has those four C's, like commit to what you want, have courage to show up to it, eventually capability will rise, and finally confidence will be natural, right? That's how I marry this thought that feels kind of deep and complex with reality, is just noticing when you're having a strong emotional reaction to something that you really want to change. You're like, I say I want to change this, but I keep self-sabotaging. I mm-hmm. say that I want to move forward in this, but I keep holding myself back. Typically what we do is overanalyze. And we're like, I've got to go through some like deep healing or I've got to go through some like deep soul work or I've got to find some insane willpower to like push myself through this season. This whole, three, this whole thinking has been so freeing because they say you don't need to do any of that. They're like, the moment you realize it is literally just a thought you've got too attached to and an emotional re- reality you've gotten too attached to, you will have the, just enough courage to do it anyways, to choose a new habit, choose a new action, choose a new way of showing up in the world, and eventually your thoughts and emotions will come along for the ride. But don't be fooled by the illusion that we all say, once I feel confident, once I feel capable, then I'll commit to this new way of being. This thing has like flipped it on its head for me. Where I'm like, nah, dude, don't wait. It's all an illusion. You're just caught in the feeling of your thinking. If that's what you want, commit to it and then just show up. Even if you're still feeling old thoughts and emotions in the meanwhile, you now have a little bit of distance. You now have a little bit of conviction that maybe it's not bedrock truth that I'm fighting against the grain of my personality or I'm fighting against the reality of me as a human. You're like, nah, dude. I'm just fighting against some old patterns of thinking and feeling, and I'm learning to detach from them. Does that bring it home a little bit more into the things that you guys can relate to? Yeah, well, and even just 
I know you have lately just been like, dude, I'm, I'm kind of ready to not identify with, I'm an anxious person, you know, like, exactly. Like seeing yes. you trying to like, you know, seeing you turn this corner has been, that's what I'm, I've been watching. Bro. I even had a dream. This is so funny. I had a dream that I was teaching a class and there was a room full of people. They were there to learn about peace or anxiety or whatever. And in the dream, I said, how many of you said I am an anxious person or I have anxiety? And I was like, that's a lie. You don't, you don't, you're not, you don't, it's not like if it rains outside, you say I am raining. Mm. When it rains outside, you don't say I have rain. You're like, it's raining. I'm experiencing rain. There's a distance between you and the phenomenon existing around you. And the more you can go, I am not anxious. I am not, I don't have anxiety. I've experienced anxiety for a long time. You start to have just enough distance to know that I can weather it and move through it without over-identifying to it. And so a hundred percent, dude, like a year ago, I was not getting on planes. Mm -hmm. I was on a plane this week. Yeah. A year ago, I was having a hard time getting out of bed. I'm out of bed every morning. You see what I'm saying? And so if I'm, if I'm speaking to you from the most extreme example, you're coming from it from the same continuum, just on a more moderate degree, but it might be trapping you all the same. Mm -hmm. It might be trapping you from the, the breakthrough in the marriage relationship you want. It might be trapping you from the next level of success that we would call the upper limits, you know, the genius zone type of stuff. But what I'm finding fun, what I'm finding freeing is that you actually don't have to go into the pain. You don't have to go into the past. You don't have to a- analyze it all and go through some deep soul work. You can just see it for the game it is and move past it. So, God dang, this is so vulnerable sharing this with you guys, by the way. Like, <laughs> it feels like I'm, I'm talking to you about stuff that I'm like, I think we're both speaking English, but I might be speaking like Spanish or Portuguese to you right now. Like, so I hope yeah. this is resonating. Well, all I, no, I, know, I know it's going to resonate to people. And I know, especially the people that are really in this in a similar place because i i know when i've been in that place and i know for me like what gets me in it when i need to get into a different mental headspace it's all about the environment i'm in so like i'm a big believer in like all right how do i get into the environment where just changes how I'm thinking about things, how I'm viewing myself. And I found like, if I can stay in those good spaces, I'm in a good mental headspace. And then I kind of get the energy and momentum I need to stay in a good place. And when I don't have those things, you know, maybe I'm around, I'm fine for a while, but when I start to spiral and it's just, I'm stuck in my own world then that is very difficult, you know, but Mm -hmm. again, again, I think people are different. Like everybody's so different. So I'm more of an external stimulation is gonna kind of mentally help me, I think. And then some people are more inside out, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, and maybe that's tied to being an extrovert and stuff too, but I, I find that I'm externally external stimulation and environment can change and really affect my, my, you know, my mental headspace. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that's making sense what I'm saying to you, but that's. Well, no, you're not wrong either. Like in my, in my experience, like getting out of my head and getting into my body or getting out of my head and getting into my life has been 
incredibly helpful. Like, I don't think we can overstate if we're talking about the connections between things, your mind and your thoughts, your emotions, like, well, the connection between your body and your brain is huge, right? Exercising, whatever. Also, your environment is huge. Your friend group is huge. I'm just realizing in terms of the deeper things we're talking about, like not today, how do I shift my mood? But how do I fundamentally go through a change where, Matt, you're living in a different reality 10 years from now than you're living today in areas that you really want to see change, right? You're going to go through a character change. Right. And that character change is going to involve some deep beliefs you've held on to about yourself that you have to let go of. Yeah. Do you follow me? Like, yeah. 10 years from now, if you're truly in a different place that you couldn't imagine, you went through letting go some deeply held beliefs that you thought were truth that you realized were just subjective things that you held on to. And the way I put it was like, changing looks more like letting go than it does grasping onto. It's not about grasping onto a better belief system. It's about letting go of broken things that didn't help you. You're just like, I'm just letting go of that. I'm just not limiting myself to that. Yeah, and I was thinking about this, so I was like, okay, so if, if, if for the story to change or the chapter to change, the character changes, what's another, what's a way a character changes? And for me, what came to mind and what I've seen in my life time and time again is meeting a different person. Like the character meets a different person. The you guide know? And or so, yeah, once, well, I yeah. mean, whoever it is, I don't know. It's the, it's the companion, it's the, it's the, I don't, that, I, that's what I've noticed. Like when I look back at the, my last, you know, season, it's like, wow, you know, you meet a different person who shares a different perspective or you have this kind of relationship with them and something kind of, it helps you grow. It helps you see something. I mean, that's how it is, you know, reading a book too. So that's something else I'd throw out there. Like, yeah, sometimes you got to just change it up. And I mean, I'm even just saying yes to some stuff where it's like, I don't want to think anymore about this. Like ready for this change, ready for that, ready to try this. Like just go in there, you know? And, and cause that is going to shake things up. It's going to change, you know, the story. And so I like that aspect of it too. Just meeting someone that just does something to you. You're not expecting, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, it's really good. So Brian, yeah. what are you chewing on? I mean, I I think my final thought on it was just, you know, and it feels, it can feel very woo woo um, and very like out there, but you know, this like essentially, and you know, Tony Robbins talks about kind of you, you know, you find what you're looking for again, this whole thing of like where you put your focus, you know, where you put your focus. And so, I mean, for me, like lately it's like, I'm trying to literally like, change my focus by kind of saying this positive, I guess you could call it almost a mantra every day. Like I'm expanding in love for my wife and my kids every day. I'm expanding in, you know, my abundance and financial success every day. And it feels very, I mean, I feel like silly even admitting that, but what it does do is it is a different story that I've grown up with my whole life. It's definitely a different story. Um, it feels full of courage, faith, whatever you would want to say there. Um, and I don't know, I just kind of want to believe that if I'm putting attention towards that, instead of just focusing on the limitations or the frustrations that we don't make enough, you know, I, that we're financially tighter than I wish we were or whatever, 
Um, I just believe that helps shift things. And again, how it all works, not exactly sure. So I don't know. That's that's a very practical little woo-woo application. Um, but I do believe it's it connects with all of this in terms of where you're putting that focus and do you do you you know you're you're gonna find what you're looking for. So if I'm looking for those positive things, I believe that's going to lead to more of that. Yeah, man. I mean, I'll, I'll end on this note and then we can wrap this up. I know we're coming close to an hour here. Um, but if you do any kind of investigating around the question, does the state I'm in matter towards the result I'm getting? You'd pretty quickly realize it does. And I first saw this in sports where when I started seeing a radical change in the results I was getting wasn't because I changed like my skill level. That's mm-hmm. an obvious, like you, you got to work hard. You got to practice you, and you'll see the, you'll see the noticeable changes. The more you practice and your skill increases, but then you get to a certain level where the result changed based on the state you were in. Was I like afraid of the moment? Was I playing reserved and all my heels or was I playing all out and I was confident and I was letting the game come to me and I was reacting, right? It's the same in life, the state you're in. And so there's this quote in that book, again, around mental health, where he was meeting with a patient. He was recalling the, the conversation with a patient who was really depressed, who had trouble with his girlfriend, who was in debt, who couldn't get a job, all this kind of stuff. And he kept talking to him about his mood. And the guy said, why aren't you talking about my problems? And this is what he said. I'm not concerned about your problems. I'm concerned about your unhappiness. If your spirits were up, you would be able to solve all your problems by yourself. And that is a reverse way of looking at it. Mm. He said, the guy came in going, if my problems were solved, I would feel better. And he was going, if you felt better, you would solve your problems. And he said, if you were happy and confident, wouldn't it be easier to get a job? And he was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> He's like, if you were happy and confident, wouldn't you feel more creative about solving your, sol- your problems? He's like, yeah, probably. And so I think there's just some life there. Again, not too woo-woo. That's what I'm saying, Brian. It's not that woo-woo when you say like, man, if I work with my internal reality to get my spirits up, I can see how that would change my ability to make different decisions and to make creative you know, problem solving solutions and move forward instead of feeling defeated and, and kind of just living out the same day over and over again. Right. Yeah. Um, so anyways, thank you for coming to my mental health Ted talk. I hope this was <laughs> fascinating <laughs> for you. Um, yes, dude. But I will Thanks say what sharing. was cool is, is when I, when I asked at the beginning of my, my keynote, I asked how many people feel this way, feel that they've been stuck in a chapter for far too long almost every hand was raised. Hmm. And then when I got through talking about this, it was the most emotional response I've had from people in the talks I've given over the last several years. And so it gave me the confidence to say like, Hey, what we're talking about here matters. And even what the three of us are talking about, like the thing I kept hearing was thank you for being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Cause I shared about everything we shared about today. And they, they're like, man, that was so powerful knowing that even someone who's, you know, a performance coach and doing all this kind of stuff was experiencing this and you were able to talk about it made me feel less like hiding behind my feelings and hiding behind my stuckness. And I'm ready to look at it. I'm ready to, to confront it. I'm ready to move forward. And again, this is a selfless or shameless plug for our course. Like, yeah, 
If you're listening to this and you're like, dude, I'm just so freaking tired of feeling stuck. I'm ready to own my life. I'm ready to move forward into a new chapter. And like Matt said, I don't want to do it alone. I need a new character involved. I need some guides and some companions. Freaking check out the course. Yeah. Like we've made it as cheap as we know how to make it. Like check out the freaking course. (laughs) Yes. And like come with us into a new chapter. Absolutely. That's my pitch. Absolutely. Do it and join us on March 7th on, you know, for the Zoom. Because that's, I mean, that's where we'll be is in that realm of, of vulnerability. And um, yeah, I would love, would love to have new faces uh, join in time for that March 7th Zoom uh, Zoom gathering. So heck yeah. Hi, yeah, right, boys. You, Brian, bring us home, buddy. You're our moderator. Bring us home. How do we close this out? I just want to affirm your vulnerability and i know i feel the, very vulnerable right <clears throat> now yeah so i said so, I'm, so I'm, I'm affirming you but i'm also probably there's probably amens from the people who are like man this i didn't even know what to ask for but this speaks to me and, yeah. it, and maybe it doesn't solve their problem it just makes me go okay i'm not crazy i'm not alone that's love it brian love it Amazing. love and peace to all well thank you drew thank you drew and um, yeah, great stuff. And I uh, love you boys both very much. We'll see everybody else March 7th. Yeah. All right. All right. Peace.